You can be seated. We are so excited again that you're here in worship with us. And we are starting a brand new series on uh, the cusp of celebrating Pentecost. Um, and uh, I'm going to spend some time uh, setting up a couple of things as we introduce this series because we really want to point out some things that we think will be really helpful for you to understand as we d- dive deeper into this sermon series for today, but also in the weeks to come. And so um, if you've been with us over the last uh, couple of weeks in our last Uh, worship series, sermon series, Uh, we were talking about being alive and well, being raised for good. And it was about living into the Easter season, the Easter celebrates uh, Jesus's resurrection in order for us to have new life in and through Jesus. We want to celebrate that, uh, but it's not just one day of the year. We celebrate it actually every Sunday. Uh, We give God thanks that we can live into this new life. And, And so we talked about what it means to become a people of resurrection as we seek to live into that new life each and every day. And we talked about that, that new life. What does a resurrected life look like? And, and how do we live into it? And uh, Hank, as he opened us up in a, in a word of prayer uh, this morning, he hinted at those things. Uh, we talked about uh, the, these ideas of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and that it is composed of really three essential things. One is to do no harm, right? We have to stop doing the things that, that harm ourselves or other people. And then we have to start doing good. That's the second thing. And then to uh, maintain that, we do a third thing, which is stay in love with God. Stay connected to God in and throughout our lives. Because we learn that doing good is the ultimate purpose of being a follower of Jesus. It's the ultimate purpose of our new life with Jesus. And so that is Jesus' command to his followers, right? That, that we would come to know, that we would come to experience the love of God that we have through Jesus. And then we would go and help other people have this same kind of experience. We would help pass on what we have been given to other people, right? And, and that what we give to people, what we do for people, that it would be good. That's why we're talking about pass it on, living in the Spirit. And so that's our hinge, is what I like to call it, a hinge from our last, what we learned in our last series in order to dive deeper into what we're going to be exploring in the weeks to come. And so this hinge, it connects us to what we're going to be talking about this morning as we dig deeper in what it means to pass on what has been given to us through the love and grace of Jesus. And so we had spent time talking about really Jesus's role, how that's important in shaping our new life in Christ. And so what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be talking about talking and spending time talking about uh, the importance of the Holy Spirit's role in shaping and forming our lives as Christ followers. The Spirit uh, equips us and empowers us to live into that call that Jesus gave us to, to share the love of God and to do good. And so one way we can think about who Jesus is so we can think of Jesus as the gateway or as the, the beginning of our new life with God. It's how we understand God's uh, role as a redeemer in our lives. And then we talk about the, the Spirit and how the Spirit helps us. The Spirit equips us and empowers us to live into that new life, right? And this is how we understand God's work to be the sustainer, 
right? The, the sustaining presence in our lives, in this new life with Christ that Jesus has given us so that what we have been given, it won't fade away. We persist in it. We live into it day by day. And so we have to understand that there's this vital connection between God's redeeming power and God's sustaining power, right? This connection between who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us as well as the role of the Holy Spirit and what a gift it is to be living in that spirit. And we can't have one without the other. Now understand that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe for some of you, some of you are okay with this idea of Jesus, right? Like I get kind of who Jesus was and, and his purpose and his role and, and I can get behind that. But when you start talking about a Holy Spirit and, and, and this kind of thing, I'm not so sure I can get on board with that. Well, we're hoping to address some of those uh, concerns or questions or uh, curiosities even uh, as we work through our series when we talk about what it means to live in the Spirit of God. And so we hopefully, in our teachings throughout the series, we hope that you'll recognize, A, the importance of the Spirit. You'll also appreciate the, the Spirit's power and purpose in our lives, but also about uh, equipping you to, to begin living in the Spirit in order to help make a difference in, in somebody's life each and every day. So um, we talked about how these series are connected, and now I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, setting up our passage for this morning. There's kind of a lot going on, uh, but it's important to kind of touch on these details. So in Jesus's ministry, Jesus gives this command to his disciples, go and serve people in the love of God. And generally the disciples uh, are like, you know, cool, Jesus, we got it. We can do that, no problem, right? Uh, but then Jesus says, well, actually, I'm not going to be around to, to help you do it. I'm not going to be around for it. And then they're like, wait, what? Wait a second. What, it, what are you talking about, Jesus? We, we need you to, to keep leading us into this, this new kingdom of God, this new existence of, of God among us and, and live into that faithfully. We, we need you to be a part of that. And they're asking Jesus, like, what are you talking about? You've led us into this and now you're going to leave us? What is going on here? And what Jesus proceeds to do is he, he tells them about events that are about to unfold, right? He talks about how eventually he'll be arrested, how eventually he'll be crucified, that he'll die, and then he will be resurrected. And then he's to leave and, and rejoin God. And so at this point, the disciples, they are confused, right? They don't know what to do. They're scared. And they're also wondering, like, well, what about us, Jesus? We've relied on you so much. How are we going to do what you've asked us to do without you? Right? This is the concerns that they begin to have when, when uh, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And Jesus has this to say in John's gospel. He, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will send another companion. Some translations say an advocate or a helper who will be with you forever. That's good news. This companion, who is this companion? Is the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. He continues on to say, I have spoken these things to you while I am with you. He's giving a heads up about what to expect. He says, the companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. 
So Jesus is trying to prime them for what's to come. And so then we fast forward a little bit. Jesus, it's, it's post-resurrection. Jesus is risen, right? And so before Jesus returns back to God, to the Father, he tells them to wait. Wait for that, that which God has promised for you. Wait on this companion. Wait on the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's pretty remarkable. And so what happens is that they have to wait after Jesus ascends to God. And what they do is that they commit themselves to, to prayer and, and worship. They devote themselves unto the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost literally means the 50th day. The 50th day of what? Well, uh, if you're familiar with uh, Jesus' ministry, and when we talk about Jesus' ministry towards the end of his ministry, before he's arrested, they're, they're celebrating a Jewish festival. That festival is Passover, right? It has a, a, a significance in the life of, of Jewish people. And Jesus sort of uh, has a fresh take on that celebration, on that festival. It's where uh, he feeds his disciples the last supper and he makes this new covenant or pronounces this new covenant anyways sort of reshapes the current understanding of that festival of what passover is well similarly 50 days after passover is a, another festival called pentecost and so we see a similar thing happening here that there's sort of this new take on, on an old significance and, and festival and kind of reshaping and, and giving it some new significance, right? So this is kind of what's happening as we're about to read uh, our passage this morning. And so the, the idea here is that the, the Holy Spirit really guides us. It really empowers us to faithfully live out our call to love and serve all so when we talk about this language over and over about living in the Spirit, it really is about helping us pass on the light and the love of Jesus in order to make a difference today and tomorrow in somebody's life. We want to take that seriously and we have to understand that the Spirit helps us in that work. And so we, we're going to keep unpacking and help you better understand the role, the purpose, and the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit and how it affects you as a follower of Jesus. So now we're going to jump into our passage. I've done a lot of uh, setting up uh, first, but if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can. You can follow along in the book of Acts. It's following the four Gospels in the New Testament. So if you're thumbing through and you're trying to find it, uh, you can find it between the, the Gospel of John uh, and the letter to the Romans. So uh, it's Acts 2 uh, verses 1 through 21. It's kind of a longer passage, but uh, it's a very interesting passage and a remarkable passage. And, and what we're reading is what we're told is, is happening on the day of Pentecost when this Holy Spirit that they've been waiting on is poured out onto the disciples who were praying and worshiping God and they were waiting as Jesus had instructed. So we're going to read that together. You can follow on your smartphones um, or on the screens. This is what it says. It says, when Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames 
of fire alighting on each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. They were gathering for this Pentecost festival. And when they had heard the sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? Every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya boarding Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. This was the ends of the earth from their world perspective that were coming and gathering and present at the time when the Spirit was being poured out. And he continues, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty acts, the mighty works of God in our own language. And they were all surprised and bewildered. They were confused. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them. They were making fun of them, saying, they're full of new wine. And Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declares, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's a lot of things going on in that very long passage. And I'm not going to uh, have the time to... to go line by line and unpack all of those things. I'm sure you have lots of questions. But I want to start with one question, which is this, to help us give us a bigger scope of what is going on right here, to help uh, impress on us the importance of what is happening here among the disciples and the people in Jerusalem. And one question I want you to consider asking yourself is, what is the Bible? I uh, get that question a lot when people are asking about the Christian faith. It's, it's a question that we're asking ourselves in, in one of our Sunday school classes as, as we read through the Bible and, and, and attempt to live it out. And one of the things, one of the answers that I give is that when we look at the Bible, when we look at its narrative, really it, it, it's a story about God's relationship to, hum to humanity over time. Right? It's a story of our relationship with God over the course of time. And we're told in the beginning of this story, we enjoyed a, a relationship with God in God's full presence. But then very shortly after, not too far into this, this big story, we mess up. 
We, we choose ourselves over God. We rebel against God. We reject God. And that begins our separation apart from God. And really, the, the whole rest of the Bible is a story about God's desire to, to bring us back into God's presence, to be in relationship with his creation, right? That's why we talk about the significance of what Jesus came to do to restore us in God's presence, to redeem us. When we talk about redemption and restoration and salvation, because we were apart from God and because of the work that, that God does through Jesus and through the Spirit, we have an opportunity to be back in relationship with God. And so I think it's helpful for us to, to, to know that God's movement has always been to be closer to creation. God's movement has always been to be closer to creation. Ever since the beginning of that book, ever since we turned away from God, God didn't turn away from us. God has been moving closer and closer to us. And so the epitome of that expression, the epitome of that reality comes through both Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I want to touch on something that I think is just amazing, right? So when we talk about Jesus, kind of how we prefaced before, when we talk about Jesus and we celebrate Jesus, especially in Advent, the season leading up to Christmas, right? We celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why? Why is that important? It's because God comes into our world. God becomes one of us in our uh, likeness to be among us, to dwell among us, right? Another name for Jesus is Emmanuel. And that literally translates to God is with us or God with us, right? So we have that experience of who God is and it's a remarkable thing. There's an even more remarkable thing because what happens with the Holy Spirit is that it's, it's no longer God among us. It now shifts to God in us. Do you see that? So when we talk about God with us, we, we talk about that with Jesus. But because of what Jesus has done for us, by restoring us in, into right relationship with God and, and because, because God chooses to, to pour out his spirit on us, God pours his spirit in us, right? God dwells within us because of the work that Jesus has done for us. I want, to, I want you to see that relationship there. And so it's a really remarkable thing that God is doing on our behalf. God gifts us, graces us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gives it to all of the followers of Jesus in order to empower them to do what Jesus has commanded us to do, right? As, as his followers, to, to do good, to bless and serve and love people radically. We're called to love people radically, not casually, right? We're, we're called to love people when it's challenging. We're called to love people when it's difficult and it's, it's hard, not when it's easy or convenient or only when it's easy and convenient right? We're pushed out of these comfort zones. It's not something that we would necessarily do ourselves, but we, we rely on the Holy Spirit to push us out of those comfort zones because we've experienced that which God has given us, and we so desperately want to share that with other people. This is the power that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, and we see in the testimony in the book of Acts that those that have God's Spirit are able to do remarkable things in order to spread, in order to pass on the remarkable, radical, life-changing love of God whose presence isn't out there. 
It's within us. It dwells within us. This is that radical movement of God to be closer to creation. And, and an interesting thing to observe when you're reading these stories, this narrative, is that when we look at the disciples, for example, during the time of Jesus' ministry, and then even after Jesus' death and resurrection and immediately following, right, we can kind of give the disciples a hard time because they just really don't understand what Jesus is really talking about. I mean, it's like a whole new world, a whole new concept, really talking about living, having, having a, a presence of God dwell among you. It's this radical idea for the Jews, let alone everyone around that would hear it. And so this is all new for them. We have the benefit of looking back and seeing everything kind of neatly in place and kind of getting it right. But this will be radical information for us uh, as followers of Jesus. They did not get it. And, and they did what humans do, right? They, they succumb to their fears. They succumb to their doubts and their confusion. But I will say to their credit, Jesus instructed them to, to wait, to devote themselves to prayer and worship to God as best as they knew how. And they did it. They did those things. But then we see this interesting thing happen because when they were given the power of the Holy Spirit, God transforms their weakness into strength. And you see a, a remarkable difference. They, they seem to be fearless. They seem to be convicted and bold. And it's because they have been equipped and empowered by God to do that which only God can do that which they could not do in their own strength. And so we see the disciples themse themselves move from, from fear and, and into hiding, and, or excuse me, they, they move from fear and hiding into showing up in the middle of the streets. They were scared to be associated with Jesus. Jesus just got killed. Jesus is back. They're still not sure what's going on. They're still fearful of what might happen to them if they profess that they are followers of Jesus. We see the Spirit poured out and we see a difference where they are in the streets preaching and teaching and healing in this name of Jesus. Declaring, it says in our passage this morning, the mighty acts of God. You see that change in their behavior. We see that the power of the Holy Spirit is the catalyst as a helper and companion that, that moves the disciples of Jesus to love people like God loves them, right? To, to do only what God can do. And so the movement of the church is the continuation of God's movement to be in relationship with creation, to be closer to creation. That's how the church was born. Pentecost, we, we talk about it, the birth of the church. When the Spirit was poured out, they were able to live into that which God had called them to live into through the power and the grace of Jesus. And this is where the church starts, where the church begins. And this is why we celebrate Pentecost and we celebrate the season of Pentecost. We celebrate living into that same Spirit. And so the church is beginning, and if we want to know what the church is, we get a pretty simple description, right, from Scripture. It says this, church is essentially devoted disciples living in the power of the Holy Spirit to move people closer to God. That's it. Devoted disciples living in the power of the Holy Spirit to help move people closer to God. 
Sometimes it means, hey, come over this way. Often it means we go out. That's why Jesus sends out his disciples to help bring God's presence to more people, to move people closer to God. And we see through, through the book of Acts that the church explodes, right? That, that there's an estimation of roughly 120 uh, disciples. There's probably more women and children and that sort of thing. But it explodes to over 3,000 people almost overnight. We see that there's this profound impact that, that God is able to move and, and grow closer to God's people. And then it says it continued to grow. God would add daily to their numbers. And so we see all these things being foretold by Jesus and, and then being lived into as these disciples were faithful and that they were, in fact, witnesses to God's mighty acts, to God's movement that would first start in that city of Jerusalem where they were. It would expand to the surrounding area of Judea and into the surrounding regions of Samaria and beyond, right? And to the ends of the earth. And so this is the trajectory of God's movement to spread and pass on the love of God throughout the whole world. And then something interesting happens later on in the growing life of the church. It's met with resistance. It's actually met with a lot of resistance. It's actually very difficult to be a Christian because you're, you're, you're going against one group that, that doesn't believe in, in who Jesus uh, is and who he says he was, the Jews. But you also have the, the occupying force, the Romans, and you're proclaiming that there is a different king other than the Roman emperor. So things aren't looking too good, right? When people are out there preaching and teaching, right? It's starting to blow back on them. It isn't easy. The, the disciples earnestly and honestly, I think authentically, are struggling. They're discouraged. It's been hard. And, and this is why the rest of the New Testament is these letters. It's a compilation of letters of Paul, one of the apostles, well, self-proclaimed apostle, that he, he ends up writing letters to all these new churches that are forming and growing and they're experiencing all these challenges and he's trying to help guide them in those challenges, encourage them in those challenges and continue to teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to live in the spirit. And so one of his letters is a, a, a letter to a younger disciple named Timothy. And I want us to see what he writes to, to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy, um, trying to encourage him. And it's this really uh, raw, honest moment that they exchange together. And this is in your Bibles. Like, this is what we're reading about as we see the, the, the church being lived out. It says this, Paul is saying this to Timothy, I'm grateful to God whom I serve with a good conscience as my ancestors did. I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night when I remember your tears, not tears of joy. I long to see you so that I can be filled with happiness. I'm reminded of your authentic faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I'm sure that this faith is also inside you. Because of this, I'm reminding you to, re to revive God's gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. God didn't give us a spirit of, that is timid, but one that is powerful, 
one that is loving, and one that is self-controlled. Being a Christian at this time is difficult. It's taxing, it's exhausting. And I think even today, we have different challenges. I don't think we're nowhere near persecuted, at least in the, in, in the Western world, in our Western culture for living into the faith. I know that our brothers and sisters around the world are persecuted with their, their lives at stake. But I think we have different challenges, particularly that, that we forget. We forget all that God has already given us, that God has equipped us, God has empowered us in order to sustain us in this movement of God in our world, even when it gets challenging to do so. I would say one of our challenges is apathy, right? There isn't just pressure to, to, to reach out to people, to share the gospel, to live the gospel, right? We can kind of just be an autopilot. And so God, I think, wants to, to inspire us and to move us, not to shame us, but to say, you know, we want to be a tangible expression of God's love. How do we take ownership in that? How do we open ourselves up to receive the Spirit and live into the Spirit so that we can make a difference in someone's life each and every day? And that's what brings us to, to us. There's challenges for the disciples then. There's certainly challenges for us today. And that's our encouragement. The, the same encouragement that Paul gives to Timothy, I think we can, we can receive that same encouragement and really that same challenge. We have not received a timid spirit. Through our baptism, right, we lay on our hands. We, we pray that you will be born anew through the power of Jesus Christ and that being born by the waters of baptism and being born by the Spirit, that you would live into this new life with Christ. And that's what we've been given, is God's living presence that now can dwell within us. And it should make us bold followers of Jesus to continue moving and serving with the unending love of God in order to, to change and transform the world. That's what we want you to understand this morning as, as we prime ourselves into unpacking this further throughout this series is that the, to, to be a follower of Jesus, it means receiving the Holy Spirit and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm becoming more con convinced and convicted in my own life that, that you can't have one without the other. And so we really do want to help understand the, the role and the purpose and the relationship that we have with the Spirit because I, I think it's just oogie boogie, like we just don't know what to do with it right? But we see the, how important their connection is, how vital it is for us to be, call ourselves followers of Jesus and actually be followers of Jesus. Amen? So we are still trying to live into that movement. We're still trying to live into that, that promise. And as part of Christ's church today, we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to, to be devoted as well? As best as we know how, are we willing to commit ourselves to staying connected to God, to staying in love with God, and to this movement? Are we willing to live into the power of the Holy Spirit in order to help move people closer to God? And then maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us that we've, we've been at it a while, right? We've been followers of Jesus, 
how many of us are tempted or, or we slip into trying to do the work that only God can do in our own strength, right? We forget, again, about our relationship to the Holy Spirit and about what it's supposed to do in our lives as it shapes us as followers of Jesus. Are we living daily into the power of the Holy Spirit? And so the encouragement for all of us this morning is to continue opening ourselves up, discerning and moving. That's why we've crafted our, our worship expression outside of, of what we learn to give you room to begin understanding what your relationship to the Spirit actually is. So we have to create space in our lives, not just on Sundays, every day, all day, for us to devote ourselves and persist in connecting with God. So we have to connect with God. We have to open ourselves to letting the Holy Spirit dwell within us. Let the Holy Spirit dwell within you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, God will and God does equip and empower and sustain us as we pass on the unending love of God. Amen? Let's pray. Let's spend some time in prayer. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks that you're so gentle with us. You're so gracious with us. And God, we're so grateful that you consistently move closer and closer to us. And God, we keep saying this over and over, but God, your promise is that if we abide in you, that you will abide in us. We see that unfold in, in, the, in the story of your scriptures, in the story of the gospels, and in and, and the birth of your church, God. God, allow us to hear that, that that is the promise being fulfilled, that when we devote ourselves to you, when we are a part of, of a relationship with you, God, that you abide in us, that you gift us your Holy Spirit and to live into that life, to pass on the love to other people. Psalm 104.4 in verse 30 says, you make the winds your messenger, fire and flame, your ministers. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. God, make us your messengers. Make us your ministers in the power of your Holy Spirit that sustains us in our new life in Christ and allow it to, to help us renew the world in the light of your love. God, living in the Spirit, it should be exciting. It should be bold and expectant and responsive and contagious. God, help us uh, live as you have promised for us to receive your spirit and to live in the calling that you have given us. God, we, we pray our, our lack of zeal, our lack of boldness. God, we, we confess our apathy. But God, boldness is showing an ability to take risks, confident or being confident and courageous. And so God, what this means for us as followers of your son, Jesus, to push us out of our comfort zones, A, because you're, you're worthy, but B, because people are desperate for a tangible expression of your love. People are waiting to do what we should be doing, God. And so God, for this, we, we just humbly give you thanks that you have given us the power, God, to follow you more faithfully, 
but more importantly, God, you have given us the power to make a difference in someone's life. So God, we pray for this, we ask for it. And God, we ask for your help to live into it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.